tell the people who are receiving them, the migrants. Yeah, it's a... Uh did you uh, did you get a chance to check out this thing about all the political contributions at uh, FTX? Uh, I kind of scanned some information. I don't know if it was the same one that you sent out, but it, you know, it really is amazing, isn't it, that how many politicians uh, of, of both sides, Republicans and Democrats, took money from them. Because yeah, I mean, he, was, he was equal opportunity in the way that he, he pushed money around. Well, I actually talked to... Uh Tina last night regarding our, our friend Karen Reeves, and uh, she's she got Karen really got totally screwed by uh, by uh, Jesse's son because he picked up the million dollars from FTX or whatever I think it was a million bucks and right mm-hmm. late in the campaign, <laughs> and she was telling me that uh, there's a there's a lottery or something for your your offices where wherever the representative offices are. Of right. course. If, she goes, of course he missed the lottery. She goes, it's already starting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so bizarre. She goes, if Karen would have been such a better choice, and I guess there was a couple other people who were better too, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, you know what's interesting here though, Brennan, and I, and I, you know, this, I don't know why this constantly frosts me, but it does. We have, you know, may, maybe it's a good thing, I don't know. I'll, I'll just explain what it is, and then people can decide for themselves. We're in a regulated industry to the point where the people who do the regulations are are way over the top. They're a bunch of younger people, maybe are well-dedicated, have never been in the business, don't really know anything about what the business is. It's not like the old days when we first started. The auditors were, uh, uh, not auditors, the, uh, the regulators were guys that were in their 40s and 50s, and most of them had worked either for an exchange or actually had worked for a brokerage firm or something. Well, now they basically sit around and think of things to mess with you with. I mean, whatever it is, they just keep asking stuff, even if it's... And, but but the, we've gotten to the point where, like, once a week or once a month, my guys have to do a, a check of every one of our our customers to see if they popped up on a Interpol list or anything like that. We essentially have been jammed down our throat to be the policeman. Mm-hmm. To the point where if, if you showed up with Brendan Inc., we're supposed to ask you like all who all the shareholders are. If anybody's over ten percent, we're supposed to like check them on. It. I mean, how we got to this stage, I have no idea. The people, I mean, our, the our governmental people do not want to do their job. They just can't keep jamming it to other people. Yet here, uh, we have politicians. You know, and I was talking to an attorney last night who was all miffed at me because I was generalizing and say people's view of them is like they're like pine scum. You know, which isn't true because a lot of them are really good. A lot of them really are trying. I get that, but the fact is, people's opinion is they're pine scum, and the mm-hmm. re- and the reason why they are is I'm looking right here. If you got down to this part about is, is Prime Trust a bank? Uh, Las Vegas-based fintech company. What the hell's a fintech company called Prime Trust? <laughs> hey, but these guys are, are listed as donating all this money to these politicians, or and one is out to. The uh, or protect our future is a super PAC that back Democrats. Yeah, uh, and uh, so these guys, well, they take the money under the name of Prime Trust, even though they Prime Trust says, "Oh no, we just wire the money from somebody else. Our name's on it. We're not required to put the person's name on where the money originates from." So people think they're getting the money from Prime Trust, or at least say they think, they, even though they know they're not. They're the, they're they're the only name on the uh, wire wire of an alley. The uh, see the uh, Aaron Holloway, the president of global marketing for Prime Trust, told the outlet at the time that the company was identified in the PAC filing solely because 
The transferred funds were held in an account under Prime Trust's name for the benefit of a specific customer. And Prime Trust originated the wire transfer direction of the customer. So evidently, the politicians have no responsibility whatsoever to figure out where this money comes from. Mm-hmm. Where, where we're supposed to basically run into somebody's shorts and find out what the hell they're doing. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get the, the, how, how those guys can make rules for us in one way and do it do nothing for themselves. I mean, it's... It oh, I, I agree. That, that's, that's abhorrent. And, you know, with the city of Chicago, for example, they have... Uh, if anybody is dealing with the city of Chicago, like getting a loan or, um, like, low-income housing tax credits or something like that, there is a process where they are supposed to fill out an economic... what's called an economic disclosure statement. And they're supposed to detail, among other things, all their ownership interests. And if it's and some of these are multi-layered and may have like seven, eight layers of ownership. But the law department and the economic development people at Chicago are supposed to track it all the way down to the individuals to find out who the the last person, the, the real ownership is. And that's supposed to be required for anybody getting a loan with the city of Chicago. Now, the problem is that, um, I mean, with some of these, it means like even going back and identifying something like a Warren Buffett with all of the layers of uh, LLCs and, and limited partnerships and things like that that are in the chain. And yet it's up to uh, the staff to track that down before a loan will be issued with the city of Chicago. It is also meant to disclose things uh, like are any unpaid water bills for anything in the city of Chicago, or unpaid taxes or any other unpaid uh, debts to the city of Chicago before a loan is made or anything is given to the city. Interestingly, you know, you don't have the same layer of uh, scrutiny with, um, with the politicians when they're looking through their economic disclosure statements. They don't have to go back through, as you just described, if somebody comes in with a wire from Prime Trust, they're not obligated to go back layers and layers and layers like uh, they are to, to get a loan and that you know uh, so the people who are getting the loan from the city of Chicago have to go through a lot more scrutiny or as uh, the former Mayor Daly used to say they're scrutined a lot more than other people are well <laughs> yes I uh, you know I just I, I just it just bugs me we'll, we'll make laws for you but I agree for, and uh, hey uh, by the way we can't go run over the big news here this morning uh, last night we were, the markets were pretty flat then they shot way down as the Bank of Japan has decided to let every morning, I, I boringly say, uh, Japan interest rates 0.25 and because they're keeping them there. Well, that's the truth. Well, last night they decided to let them float another 0.25% and they're up 17 basis points to 0.42. So I won't be able to say 0.25 for a while. They're up to 0.42. So that kind of shocked the world that they were all of a sudden tightening, but now all of a sudden we're back down to where S&Ps are actually up 75 cents, even though they're around 30 last night. We had another lousy day yesterday, so I was thinking, boy, you had another crummy day. But we could use a rally. I mean, everybody could use a rally here, I think. But this, that, that was pretty big news in the middle of the night. So everybody, everybody's bonds are up here a little bit. We're up six basis points, and the bond's up seven. So, yeah, Japan has finally come off the dime, come off the 25. Now, because they've been selling dollars and doing all kinds of stuff to maintain that 0.25. So if they're going to stop all of that, it might make a difference in the... Uh, and certainly in the, in the Japan to uh, to dollar uh, number, which I'll get here when we when we do break. Actually, the eh, so the, the end's only up forty. It's not it's not much. The dollar the euro's up point uh, three zero and the pound's up point one five. So the dollar's weaker this morning a little bit across the board. But uh, that was big news. I mean, those guys uh, 
they love to manipulate their currency or, or hold it or whatever they want to do with it. Now they've decided to let it sneak up a little bit. Um, what do you uh, what do you think, Brennan? About it? you know, we were trying to. Uh, you're not you're not necessarily a stock guy, but you certainly uh, have some idea. Yesterday or yesterday, this the last few weeks, we've been having kind of a theme that uh, the next year we we might be entering a flat market stage. Might, uh, of course, if I could call the market a year in advance, uh, all my clients and me'd be gazillionaires. But uh, but by and large, I mean we we've had this huge run up now we've had this big run down amazon by the way just blew through the the pre-covid price they're down to 85 which is uh um, kind of a reasonable number they started the year at uh i promise the other day i definitely will they, they started the year at roughly 170 and now they're 85 so it's the, the 50 percent half retra- what their value was yeah half what their value was and i'm gonna go through these numbers i just did them three four weeks ago well the the, the fang stocks plus microsoft and they were down $3 trillion worth on the year, and I bet it's close to four an hour, maybe over. But I probably should wait till next week and get near the end of the year. But maybe, they'll, maybe who knows, maybe we'll even rally a little bit. But it definitely, the leadership is is uh, <clears throat> is different. And I, you know, I've been talking for years, because I don't know the date. I never, you can never pick the timing. The timing's tough, Brennan, but someday, somewhere, I said, you know, Amazon's just, just going to be priced like a retailer, even though maybe an innovative retailer and so forth. They do some cloud stuff, but the cloud stuff seems pretty darn competitive. It's a good business. They make money, but it's not, you know, ninety percent margin or anything. And uh, you know that that may be happening right in front of our very eyes. They, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, but I guess the question is, we've identified some areas. <clears throat> and Lou and uh, my friend Mike Murphy, uh, who was in the army forever, is talking about how we really need to resupply all our. I mean, we gave uh, what ten years production of uh, Stinger missiles, some kind of missile to. Ukraine in, uh, in 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 six months, you know. So I'm, I'm sure we're not out of them, but uh, well, I'm actually I'm not sure, but I suspect we're not out of them. And uh, and I, you know, and we all of a sudden have to, you know, get some factories, I guess, that were mothballs to start working again and so forth. And uh, uh, so one of the areas that we think might outperform next year, like they did this year, I've said before, one of the groups I work with at uh, NFO, uh, the guys who were stock pickers in there. The minute Ukraine got uh, invaded, seriously overweighted the uh, mil- the uh, defense stocks. And I think well, they're. I think if they're not, I'm not sure if there's last week, but I think they might actually be up on the year, which is pretty unbelievable considering what the well, market's doing. about stocks like Raytheon. Yeah, uh, I mean they were. They got it all of Anybody who's dealing with uh, with military equipment or weapons, uh, I, I think you're right. Everything that's been sent to Ukraine has to be replenished and upgraded, and I do think. That at least in the beginning, Ukraine got some of the stuff that was uh, on the shelf for a long time before its useful date, and now we're you know, given the, the number of arms that we've sent them, there have to be shortages or near shortages that have to be replenished. The uh, say, Maddie, I'm not so sure we're, we're uh, the station is, is not streaming on the app, we're not getting anything on the website either. Yeah, I, I'm. It's. I'm reset the internet. It's uh, it seems to be an internet issue. All right. Well, just, uh, all of our stuff's working here. Um, as far as the the board and the software and everything, that's all back up, so that's good. The stream um, is a is a whole separate problem. All right. So you're working on it. Well, I reset it. I mean, I, I I'm not an internet guy, but we'll we'll try. All right. Um, well, we're we're. You know, this this all goes back to Elon Musk. 
he's being distracted with all of his Twitter stuff, so anything that he's going to do with the Internet is just screwing up because of lack of attention. Um, yeah, what the <laughs> Internet in this building goes down like once a week. The Internet in my house has never gone down once. I don't understand. <laughs> well, I mean, all, all my stuff's up, all my quotes and everything. Yeah, my, my regular Internet's working. It's the, it's the stream. Um, I wonder if that's, that's that separate line. Yeah. Well, well, we'll we'll figure it out as long as we can have it done uh, on tape delay. Everybody be cool with that anyway. But uh, yeah, so I mean, we we've identified some areas. I mean, energy. I don't know. All these people are talking about you know oil one twenty next year and all that stuff. I don't really buy that, Brendan. I don't know if that area. It seems like those stocks are are higher, way higher than the price of oil should indicate. If, if you put a chart of oil prices and gas prices, if you put a chart of that up there. Versus the XLE, the XLE seems a lot higher now than the oil and stuff. Now, I know these guys are doing well on the refining side and the, and the retail side, uh, but I don't, uh, I don't get where, uh, where that you know that it's that much of a premium should be there. So, I think you know you've got to be a little more selective next year than just, than just you know picking up the S and P or the, certainly the Qs. But, but the Qs at some point here have to be. You got to believe they got to be a buy for God's sake. I mean, I. I don't know where, but I mean, we're the Qs are two sixty nine. We started the year at four hundred. Mm-hmm. That's a number. Now, then again, in two thousand, the QQQs I think topped out at one fifteen or so and went down to like twenty five. So it's not like we haven't seen this movie before. I don't see that happening this time. But we're giving up basically all the the, the bulge that was done in COVID with the money pouring into the system. I mean, we're darn close to. So we'll give it, we're giving back all of it in Amazon. We're giving back probably 60, 70% of it in all the other areas. And I, and I guess we could have predicted that, Brendan, but I don't, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think everything is cyclical, you know, and the, the danger is that we can't predict when things are going to turn, either for an upturn or a downturn, or how long they're going to last. And when, when we're looking, I mean, they're all complicated. And, you mentioned it earlier. If it were easy, all of your clients would be gazillionaires because you would have the secret to know what's going to happen a year from now or six months from now or even six minutes from now. Um, but you have so many people that are trying to figure out what's going on and try to, I don't want to say game the system, but try to outthink the system, that it gets more complicated. And things don't always work the way that they would have historically or, um, or the way that you predict they're going to be right now. Well, you, you really do uh, wonder, I mean, where, you know, the direction, the, the uh, actually, with the, I went to a thing for Tina last night, I was talking to a couple of attorneys, some guys are, you know, are, are real believers, Brennan, in the system and the people, and that, you know, the people who criticize are the ones that are really wrong. I, I, I honestly think that the, a lot of the people that are in, what I see happening now, I, I mean, I was trying to, well, my part of the argument, and I don't know if I won or not, I'm sure I didn't, but... Uh, is it people's view that the you know that these that these politicians are just not doing the job? <clears throat> I don't think they're wrong. <clears throat> I don't I don't uh, you know really uh, uh, say that the ninety percent of people in Congress are, are slimy. I don't I don't believe that. I think probably ninety percent of them, but somehow or another, the people who are in power. I don't I don't trust the amount of power that seemingly the top ten percent or five percent or two percent in Congress wield. I don't. Somehow or another, and I wasn't, I'm not going to be a Scalia and 
believe I was sitting in the room with the founding fathers, but <clears throat> I don't think they're supposed to be Nancy Pelosi and, and 434 knaves. And I don't, I don't think that's the way they planned it. And yet that's seemingly what, it, what is working out. Same thing in the Senate. Senate, I think an individual senator probably has a little more power. Uh, but well, they do. I, I think the Senate has more power, and I think that you're right. It was never meant to be power in the hands of a few as far as House leadership or Senate leadership, but that's the way it's evolved. And, you know, I, I mean, I think that you can look at uh, recent elections to know that, and, and I think this is true of both parties, although recently it seems like it's truer of the Republican Party, that they're looking for empty suits to put into a position that will vote the way that a McConnell or a Kevin McCarthy or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer want them to vote. You know, you look at the at the qualifications of a guy like Herschel Walker or um, Amendment Oz or, in Illinois, Roland Burris a number of years ago. Um, but, you know, there's not a lot of intellectual depth there. And... Um, so I, I think that a lot of the leaders or a, a lot of the backbenchers are just empty suit votes that goes the way of the House leadership or the Senate leadership. And that's not what was intended by uh, by the founding fathers. Well, they wanted a working uh, republic uh, to, to function with leadership and people who think and won't just vote on a, on a party line, but actually give some thought as to what's good for the country. Well, and you're right that we're not there right now. It, it seems like it's completely polarized, left and right, R&D, and uh, there's very few crossovers either way. So it really comes down to who has the majority of the numbers in either the House or the Senate. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I just kind of wonder, I think some people, you know, a lot of name out there, I don't even know the man, so I shouldn't be, but like a Danny Davis, maybe even a Bobby Rush, or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think they think their job is to sort of go along. If there's something in there that they can plug in for their district or something, they, they immediately have their face on TV and say, look what I brought home. But I, I don't know that they're going to be on the House, you know, whatever, uh, you know, committee for, for secret operations overseas or anything like that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think they think that's their, their job. Their job is just to <clears throat> bring home stuff, talk about, you know, if, it, if you're a woman and if it's a woman's issue, you're up there. If you're a white guy and it's a white issue, you're up there. I mean, Danny right. Davis, if it's a black issue, he's on TV all the time. And I look what I'm doing for my district. It's, I mean, it, it really is almost, I don't, I don't even know what I'd call it, what they do, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even No, I agree. I, I agree. And I think that's true of both parties. The majority of people who are elected um, aren't very intellectually deep. <laughs> well, I mean, it's supposed to be the people's house. You know, and it is <laughs> to, a large, to a large extent. I mean, I don't know. You're not going to get a whole lot of uh, of uh, you know college professor PhDs sitting in the House of Representatives. Well, that's true. the The other thing, though, is that because of the way that Congress has been constituted in recent, particularly in recent years, uh, it does become more of minority rule. You know that that was part of the the danger <coughs> of the past couple of administrations when. The fear was that uh, the progressive left of the Democratic Party, the ALC, the, or the squad, as they were referred to under the Trump era, uh, would rule the Democratic Party. That turned out to be not true. But now you've got a minority of people, maybe five to seven potential Republicans, led by the likes of Andy Biggs from Arizona and Marjorie Taylor Greene, who have unwieldy, uh, have unwieldy power in a way that's completely disproportionate to their role in 
in the world, in the, in the United States. And um, and that that's dangerous. You know, when you have, and we've talked about it before, where the Senate is disproportionate because of the fact that every state has just two senators. So a state like Wyoming or Montana has just as much as uh, Texas or California or New York. Well, I, I mean, this isn't kind of, this isn't new to you and me. I mean, I, it seems like when uh, when they had the Republican, we'll go to break here in a second, but when, we, when the Republican group with uh, Newt Gingrich and those kind of people, I mean, with, with the, uh, the Tea Party. Yeah, Gingrich and around 94, 95, and he also had the Tea Party in yeah. 2010, who took over too. But they, I guess what I'm saying is, whenever one side seems to get in power, you would think, from what the press tells you, it's going to be smooth skating. Always the, the the fight then was between the the older, I won't say the older, but the established Republicans and the new Tea Party people. Because the older people, they spent money as much as the Democrats, even though they didn't say they did. They did it by, mm-hmm. by lowering taxes to their buddies or, or themselves. Which I'm not right. saying, I'm, I'm not against lower taxes, by the way. Uh, matter of fact, I'm somewhat, somewhat pretty much totally for them. But, I mean, it, the fight always becomes then between the pe- the factions in the party. There's always going to be... Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you could put all Democrats or all Republicans in the House and you're still going to have fights. Sure. Well, Brennan, we got a dash here. Uh, good luck tomorrow. Uh, keep me posted. Uh, SP Futures down a buck and a half. NASDAQ Futures down 29. We've we'll come back to the damn near the flat line. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. Hello, well, back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm talking about we're on the board. We're struggling here, but we're, we're doing... We're, we're, We'll be up uh, after the show. Everybody will be able to listen to it. Uh, SB Futures down three and a quarter, and SB Futures down 40. Joel, were you up in the middle of the night? Did you make? Uh, did you get the word from the Japanese dudes they were raising their interest rates? What a move, huh, Chief? Yeah. Overnight? Doesn't that always happen? That big moves come overnight? Well, I guess it wasn't overnight to them, huh? No, no. Um, I mean, there's always some kind of hiccups you see in the, you know, in the, uh, in the after hours, and I didn't see that one coming, and uh, I'm glad I didn't uh, wake up and short in the hole. It's amazing. We pop right back up. We're only down three and a quarter, but kind of got a feeling the market's still kind of heavy, Chief. Uh, yeah, I do, too. All over. We got the uh, the Nikkei's down 2.5%. I should probably go through that. Uh, uh, Dax down 21. Uh, FTSE up 4. Uh, CAC around down 15, so not much going on there. Uh, okay. But the bond, the bond's the big move. It's the Japanese. I mean, how many days in a row? How many weeks in a row have you been on when I said, "Geez, the J- Japanese ten-year stuck at twenty-five." Well, now it's forty-two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, how long is that that easy monetary policy out of Japan? I mean, that's been going on for like a hundred years, right? And now you get a sudden turn. Uh, shook up the markets when the markets really didn't need anything to shake them up. We got a four-day losing streak going on. Um, I'm concerned, you know, the big leadership is where I'm concerned, and that's, you know, and your big, well, it's still your leadership is your mega cap tech. Uh, Apple took out a huge level yesterday at 134.5. There's your top component. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to, I don't know what Santa Claus has in his uh, bag of tricks, but um, he's running out of time, right? Well, I guess it starts a little bit later, but uh, the Santa Claus rally, but. I guess it's going to gold and silver, chief, and not inequities. Um, yeah, you know, I I uh, had heard some rumors, and I'm gonna, I'll check it with you because you're closer to the to the to the rumor vein. Uh, one of the things I, I you know one of the things you pick up, you have no idea if it's right or wrong, is that one of the things that Japan was selling, other than dollars, 
to keep their bonds where they were, were, were they were liquidating some gold. And I wonder if that's huh. true because gold has snapped up today. It's up like seventeen dollars, back up over eighteen hundred. Uh, I wonder if that's one of the if that's you know if other people have heard the rumor if it's the truth. <laughs> I don't know, but um, kind of weird that we've had this bounce in the in their interest rates and in the gold because you would normally expect interest rates going up is bad for gold, but today it's actually up, right? So. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, it's real curious here because we talk about gold, you know, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you've had a lot of these rallies up to 1800, 1820, and just about every one over the last few years has failed. Um, and this is one of the longest periods where, you know, it's hung out here. Finding great support in 1780, um, I don't know, the gold bugs that are looking for 2K, I mean, it's starting to set up favorably couple closes over 1800 take out that recent high of the move so maybe there was some uh pressure you know from uh, japan selling the assets maybe they're selling some u.s equities too who knows yeah it's uh but what do you make of this uh i was kind of surprised yesterday that uh we had another crummy day i mean for those that uh, don't rem- i mean maybe weren't watching that was down 162 but the s&p was down 34 or 35 it's another one uh-huh. percent NASDAQ down 159. I mean, these, and I, I have, uh, we have, you know, you know, I do stuff for other people, and uh, when I say I do stuff, we we subcontract out our protected index program, okay? And I, so I do the protected stuff for people. And I talk to a lot of people, Joel, that it may have, whatever, they might have $3 million, and I've got, what well, I've got, I mean, we're managing in the protected program somewhere under a million. Uh-huh. And, and the other two, two and a quarter, is you know maybe their stocks that they their their long term holds or whatever and a real lot of these people have the the Amazon Apple Nvidia you know Triumvirate Microsoft some a few yeah. fortunately only a couple had Netflix uh, but they were they you know every everybody's everybody's in this stuff I mean it it, it was there's a reason why Crowded. those things and and they're 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 forty five forty eight I don't know if they ever got over fifty. Uh, the fangs and the QQQs, same thing as in 2000, where the five top five stocks were 50% of it. So even if you said, well, you know, I'm going to diversify, and you put 100, well, whatever number you want to put in, say you put 100 grand in the in the in the Qs, well, 50,000 of it, they had to go out and buy those stocks. So I mean, you're and, and now we're we're just kind of draining the other way. I mean, Facebook is a disaster. Well, Meta, I mean, where the hell did that thing start the year? I mean, even I'm, boy, I'm almost hesitant to check. Uh, three oh, fifty. Three fifty. I mean, that's that's been uh, hit. I mean, they're switching to the metaverse. I mean, that ended. Uh, that ended uh, two thousand uh, twenty twenty one. <laughs> Close to oh, well over three hundred bucks. Um, come down under under a hundred. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, people are crowded in the trade. Uh, it's still a crowded trade. Technology. I mean, let it. You know, there's there's cycles in the market, and uh, man, I don't know. Going mm-hmm. in and, and trying to pick the bottom in these stocks right now is a difficult thing to do. And then the other thing that you're looking at is when and if they do rebound. All the over overhead supply in these things. I mean, people are just stuck from massively higher prices and. I don't know. I mean, they're still, uh, you know, meta. I mean, it trades at a reasonable PE. Are they still going to be able to make the kind of money they're making? Um, Amazon gets uh, gets slapped on someone's uh, top 
prospect list for 2023. It may be J.P. Morgan. Don't don't quote me on that. Just heard it, and uh, it's up nine cents. So that's still the big leadership in the market, and it's still leading us. Unfortunately, is to the downside. Well, Amazon started the year at 168.64. Did this a few weeks ago. And Amazon was down to 111.01, and that that meant 588 billion dollars in market cap. Off, off the number, okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ten point two billion dollars market cap. So now it's down another, uh, what, twenty bucks? So we. I mean, Meta started the year at at three fifty, and now it's one fourteen. I mean, I you know, <laughs> I, it's a uh, that's something. Yeah, I, I mean, it was that you know the the, the wild rides are nice on the way up, but uh, they're painful on the way down, Chief. Well, what? Uh, so, I, I guess going forward, what do you? What are you seeing for next year? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do some stuff where we're trying to pick areas in the market that maybe we want to, and some people, like I said, are, are, are liking the defense stuff. Now, whether that's a crowded trade already now, I don't know. That, some people like the uh, the metals. We did some stuff for people the other day, and and uh, because uh, Dan Janinas was on talking, he he likes some of the industrial metals. So you're not gonna you're not gonna like my my take, Chief, and yeah. all your listeners are not gonna gonna like it either. What do you like? Cash. Well, that's a, that's a thought. Yeah, well, yeah. Pay me all day long, 5%. Yeah, I'm losing out to inflation a little bit, uh, but, you know, at least I'm not getting crushed in the market. And, uh, you know, until until the Fed, I mean, the golden rule of investing is not to be fighting the Fed if you've been, you know, deploying assets into the market this year. You have been fighting the Fed. Uh, Powell's made it very clear what his mandate is. Um, don't know if we're going back down to 3500 and test that low and go over beyond, but uh, I think that 2023 is going to be another rough year. I'm still not in the all-in, you know, deep recession camp because I see pockets of strength in the economy. Uh, but right now, I mean, you know, Tina, the Tina trade is, is dead, Chief. There is an alternative. People lived for years that there was no alternative. There is an alternative, and that is... You know, whatever whatever country you're in, you know, Canada, the rates are a little bit higher, four, four and a half, five percent. I know the stockbrokers don't want to hear that, but that that's a place the place to hide right now. We've got we've got a yet. we got a boatload of people in uh, six month and three months treasuries waiting. Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, at some point you're gonna even if you're flat, you and even if you think it's going to be a, a, a longer term comeback. At some point, you might want to get in if you think we're at least down to the flat line stage. You know, even if we have a, there's always the V-shaped recovery. Well, we could have a bathtub-shaped recovery, but <laughs> but uh, the I mean, you might want to get into some stocks with a good dividend and maybe supplement yep. that with a maybe a covered writing program or something where you can you can. But it, it's going to be a very managed type of thing. To be perfectly blunt, you're going to need somebody like me. Somebody knows how to do this, you know. But yeah. uh, so I mean, it's but I don't know. It's it's certainly uh, you know not just the buy and hold. Although if you, I guess suppose if you got out a year ago or six months ago, you probably could buy and hold here better than you were before. But anyway, uh, Joel, take care of yourself. Merry Christmas, Merry Holidays. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back next Tuesday. We got next mo- Monday off, so happy Hanukkah, Merry yep. Christmas. We'll speak to you guys next week. All right, take care. SP futures down five seventy five. Uh, Nasdaq futures down forty four. Be right back. Well, right back, Stacks and Jack. Time I'm out with Mr. Matt Weber on the board. S&P futures down six and a quarter. 
at the uh, Nasdaq futures down 50. So we were, Kenny, what, what, were you up all night? Did you trade the you trade the Japanese yen move? No, I wasn't up all night. I was surprised when I had this thing to see that the Bank of Japan made that unexpected move, causing you know, disruption and concern across the markets as they try to control their yield curve. But no, I did, I was not aware of it. I did not trade it. What uh, what, what do you uh, um. I mean, what do you what do you make of it? I don't. What? Why yesterday? I mean, I've been, I've been. Looking. I don't know. I have to read the story because literally, I just been doing my work, so I have to go in and read the story and try to understand what they did and why suddenly. Uh, because it was unexpected, as the headlines say. So uh, I need to. I need to. You know, kind of look at it. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, because they uh, they're up. Uh, they they did some kind of a. Of course, they claim they're not really changing policy or something with whatever the hell that means, but. Right, uh, but they but they did they did they're allowing they're allowing their rates to go up by twenty five basis points up to a half a, a half a you know a, a half of a, po- a half a percentage point right, um, so we'll see. Like I said, I have to read the story. I haven't I really haven't gotten to it yet, but I will. The um, in any event, in any event, I don't think it's going to change the narrative here uh, either for the end of the year or for twenty twenty three. Quite honestly, right? I think we're going to continue to struggle. Certainly the path of least resistance is lower, especially when it's so, so negative. But people are so, so negative, it's, it almost feels like to me it's a contraindicator, right? But one way or the other, um, we've got nine trading days left in the year. We've certainly got lots of tax loss harvesting happening, putting some pressure. Buyers kind of, you know, buyers being patient, letting stocks come to them. You know, I laugh when, when they say, you know, where have the, bear, where have the bulls gone? The bulls are there. They're just buying stock at lower prices, waiting for this market to, you know, turn around and explode. So um, um, I'm not necessarily that concerned. Although yesterday, you know, Mike uh, Mikey Wilson from Morgan Stanley jumped in bed with Goldman Sachs, and now he's calling for an S and P 3000 down from his earlier call S and P 3400 before this was over. Right? Suddenly, citing this weakening economy and. And, uh, and and more theater and the Fed commentary and higher rates and you know earnings next year coming down by twenty one percent. I think earnings per share for the S and P are two thirty now, and he's suspecting you know that they could be as low as one eighty uh, per share, which is down. It's like a twenty one percent adjustment lower, which would mean that which would translate into a uh, S and P three thousand. I think it's a little bit aggressive. I don't necessarily think that earnings are that low, so I'm still in that thirty-four, thirty-six hundred camp. Um, but we'll see. What um, what about the individual stocks, like the Amazon's going back below COVID and all that stuff? I, why all of a sudden is uh? So here's what I think. Here's what I think about that. Amazon is one of those big people are using it as a as a as a cash register. Used as an ATM, partly because it's a big mega cap stock. It's easy to sell. If you got to raise cash, you can go to places like Apple and Amazon and Johnson and Johnson and American Telephone, and you can sell large chunks of stock fairly quickly without completely disrupting the price and 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 cash out right versus trying to sell something that's a little bit more illiquid when you need cash or when you're trying to raise cash to protect your portfolio. It's easy to go to those things. But look, i got to tell you, a name like Amazon, who's kidding who? Uh, trading at $80 or $82 down at levels that we haven't seen since 2020, to me, screams, are you kidding me? You've got to back up the truck and buy this thing because Amazon's not going anywhere. It's changed the world. It will continue to change the world. It's now into healthcare. It's now into robotics, even more than it has been. It's cloud business is booming. Cloud's only going to get stronger. So I, I look at Amazon and scratch my head and go, what are people thinking? But I understand that if asset managers need to raise cash quickly, they have to go where they have to go. 
right? So they go to those names, but that then creates opportunity for the little guy, the individual investor, someone that, you know, uh, hasn't seen Amazon on sale. What's it down? What's it down? 30% or something? They haven't seen it on sale. Well, it's not. Uh, no, it's, it's going back. It's down, 50, it's down 50% since before COVID. It's given up its entire uh, COVID number. It's, it's, it's down. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that, you know, suddenly the, 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 not only the tone from the Fed, but the tone from the other central banks around the world that we saw, which, you know, kind of uh, walked in unison with the Fed, all of them telling you rates are going up. If anyone thinks we're pivoting, we're not. Get that out of your head, and they're going to stay higher for longer. And then you're starting to see certainly the weak housing data. You're starting to see weaker macro data. Then you get guys like Mikey Wilson, who's widely followed, and he is a Morgan Stanley, and he's a, and he's a, a stalwart bear. Um, and he did call at the beginning of last year. He did say 2022 was going to be a difficult year, and it has proven to be a difficult year. So he comes out, you know, publishes that report on Sunday night, so it gets maximum effect on Monday morning, um, and the markets come under pressure. And so I, I, I think all that just leads to kind of a feeling of, of pessimism, right? Like I said, when it's so pessimistic like that, the path of least resistance is lower. Um, and so uh, you know, are we going to get the Santa Claus rally? I still think by next week we're going to get a little bit of a bounce, but I don't think we'll get much above 4,000. Um, and then I think the first half, or at least the first quarter of it next year, is going to be uh, telling, right? Because it's going to be the slate's wiped clean in January. Everyone gets to start all over again. Uh, and what's it going to look like? And I think uh, I, I think we and you and I have talked about this. So I think it's going to be you know continue to be a little bit tough and antsy, and you got to be a little bit more stock specific on your pick versus just passively investing in everything across the board. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. But. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, light your hair fire and run out the door. It just means be prepared. And it's funny because you and I have been talking about this. I keep saying that I've said all year, if you're concerned about this market, and I am, I'm going to overweight the stuff that people need, the consumers, the utilities, the healthcare, energy. Yesterday, Mikey Wilson said, oh, and by the way, under this scenario, you've got to buy utilities, healthcare, and consumer staples. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah, well, it's a, uh, well, I mean, I, I, you wonder how, I mean, we've been, you know, as you know, we talk about all kinds of stuff on the show, but. You wonder when you talk about the in inflation numbers, and yeah. the Fed is a, is a sort of attacking that. Yet, everybody I talked to here in Chicago just got the biggest gas bill they ever got. It wasn't even cold last month. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean, some, wait, I mean it, people get cold in Chicago. What I'm saying is the 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 inflation that people are feeling now is almost institutionalized and to a large extent. I mean, yeah. the price of retail gas that's still competitive, even though people think it isn't. It is. Uh, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, way more than utility bill. I mean, it's not even not even the same planet. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what has to happen to break up the other stuff. I mean, the idea that you know, hospitals. I mean, well, I, I, you know, they're charged ten times more per overnight stay than they did fifteen years ago. I mean, some huge number. I mean, it's. I, mean, I, I sh you know probably should get the exact number before I say that, but it's it's massive. I, mean, I read stuff here in Chicago. The, you know, a good hospital overnight stays ten grand. I think in right. 2000 it was one, or not even one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I don't know what's going to end up bringing that down, but to bring some of the other stuff down, the Fed's going to do what they have to do. And they're going to, uh, you know, I'm in the, I was never in the camp that they're going to break the economy, but the more and more this goes on, I'm getting the sense that they're going to break it to fix it again, right? That it's going to be, that the recession is going to be longer and deeper than anyone really wants to admit. And this whole soft landing, shallow recession, don't anybody worry, it's going to be great. Uh-uh, that ain't happening. Um, and so I've been preparing myself and building the portfolio 
defensively, right? So just like I said, I'm way overweight the names that people need, and I'm underweight, although I still own them, but it's big tech, right? So it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's IBM, it's Microsoft, right? I don't own Roku and Teladoc and Zoom and, you know, a lot of those sexy high-growth names. I just stuck to the big mega-cap tech names, which, by the way, like you, like we said at the beginning, Amazon's getting beaten up because portfolio managers are using it as a source of cash. Great. It provides an opportunity then for me because it's down 35% or whatever it's down, right? I think it is a... I think it's a long-term foundational holding. What do you I mean? What do you? How do you when you when you say that? And I know, by the way, you're you're good at this, and and and, and you're not pissing your own money away and telling other people to do something stupid. But how, how do you even know after the amount of I mean, the incredible rally during a shutdown economy? Yeah. How do you, how do you not just say that number was all fluff and I shouldn't touch well, anything since till it gets before well, the COVID it, number? Well, it might be, right? It might be. I guess that's the risk. You at the middle of the head. Listen, we could, I guess we could still go down another 30% on Amazon, right? Um, I don't think so, but I guess you could. But um, I think what we've had is we've had rolling kind of corrections over the last year, right? We've seen certain industries get absolutely clobbered, right? Yep. Communications down 39%. Tech was down, well, it's down 27% now, but it was down closer to 35%, right? We've had uh, a real estate down 30%. Retail down 35%. Semis down nearly forty percent. A lot of these names have gotten absolutely crushed, um, and and there may be some more pressure, which is why I said the first, at least the first quarter of the year, there's going to be continued churn. I don't think the market's rallying right back, but nor do I think it's going to completely fall apart. I think that you know it, it, there'll be this rolling correction in names. Well, I don't um, disagree. I, I guess what I'm I'm trying to hint at is normally in, in our in our lifetime in the, in the business, except for maybe two thousand or something, you had ideas where stocks were you know they they were at a, at a number and the economy gets better and all of a sudden they run up and of course people chase them a little bit but real stock they can get a little too high and they come back down 20 25 percent and uh and you say okay well these, if, if if you have your arrows still in your quiver like you should or if you've been protected or something you sit there and go all right i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little longer here which is what we're doing here but uh so far it hasn't been the best thing uh but i mean it's I don't think I've ever seen a situation where we had a year and a half of the market shut down, or essentially the economy shut down. The biggest, probably the biggest recession, if you counted it properly, since the Great Depression. I mean, in terms of actual things cutting back and, and everything everybody was doing and income and everything else. I mean, it was over. I mean, you printed money to, to, to you know put perfume on the pig, but at the end of the day, I don't think that. I mean, there's a, there's a chance. I mean, I'm not saying I think this, but there's a chance that an entire run-up was all bull. Well, and you're absolutely right, and I think that comes through in guys like Mikey Wilson's note yesterday, Goldman Sachs has been calling for S&P 3000. That would be down 1,800 points. Remember, the S&P is 4,800 on January 3rd or January 4th of this year. It's now going to, you know, they've got a $3,000 target on it before this is over. And then they only got a thirty-seven hundred dollars target on it by the end of twenty twenty-three, which is still down from even where we are today. So, so to your point, I think that's going to be the correction, right? That it's going to work itself out, though, right? It's going to just kind of churn and churn and churn, and uh, everything has to adjust. And then it's going to also depend on, you know, does the Fed go to where they said they're going to go, or do they actually push it higher? Right? The rumor is, and clearly that's part of the problem, is that you know he's really not telling you the truth. And while he says five and five and a quarter percent. 
you know, it's really higher than that. You know, five and a half to six percent on the on the terminal rate. And I don't think the market's fully pricing that in yet. But I think that's kind of news that gets discussed in early January, right? Is the terminal rate correct? Should it be higher uh, based on uh, what inflation either is or isn't doing in terms of responding? What date? What date would you put on before COVID? February twenty twenty. Roughly, yeah, early twenty twenty. Right, so even you, though the, even though they started talking about it in January, it didn't really didn't really smash the world until until uh, late February, early March, right? Right, uh, when it started having been a problem, and then we bounced the bottom day was I don't know when the bottom, but the, the I mean, I'm looking here at two ten twenty twenty in the S and P, and yep. and we're roughly uh, three. Where the hell are we? Uh, I'm going to say uh, three three thirty three thirty seven, and we went up to four seventy four or four seventy something. So we basically went up almost thirty percent, and now we're at three seventy nine. So we're we're within you know fifteen percent of where we where we all this whole thing all started. Right. And uh, I'm not so sure that uh, you know three fifty isn't maybe the bottom or somewhere in there. I don't. I mean, I guess I I, I don't believe. It. The entire amount that went up. I think it was all just cash in the system. There was no reason to go up when we were shut down, for God's sake. No, there was no reason to go up. Uh, well, certainly there was no reason to go up in large parts of the economy. Technology obviously yeah. exploded because of the role that technology played in allowing, even though we were shut down, certainly plenty of business still get done because technology Correct. allowed people to do it. So it was professional businesses, right, that were still able to still able to to, uh, to conduct business, right, whether they're doing it from home or their bedroom or somewhere else, they were still able to do it. Don't get kinky on us. I'm 61. The kink, that's way over. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm sure some of that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go to the top this kind of a show, is it? No, I'm just, I'm just saying, in our younger days, we probably could have figured out a way to work from home, but it wasn't really working. Oh, yes. <laughs> Kenny, take care of yourself. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk at you next yeah, week, bud. SP Futures down, down 11, SP Futures down 69. Lone Walk Banks, Dr. Jackson. I'm Tom Howie's Mr. Matt Weber without any commercials. Although, I guess, you know, maybe some people would like that. SP Futures down 9, SP Futures down 61. What do you think of this ride, Hal? Uh, <laughs> which ride? There's yeah. a lot of them. Well, the uh, the Bank of Japan last night um, coming up in the middle of the night saying they're going to allow their, as you as you know, as you have to listen every week, ad nauseum, I say uh, Japan rates at uh, 0.25%. So last night, out of the blue, they came out and said, uh, well, we're going to let them rise to 0.5, and they, they jumped to 0.42, so up 17 basis points, and we've got gold rail in because there were some rumors that they were selling gold to keep their interest rates down, and doing some manipulation on that and all of a sudden they're popped up to 0.42 and uh, uh, Japan unexpectedly loosens its yield cap um, so what do you make of all that? We were down we were flat last night, then we were down 30 in the spoos then we came back to actually positive a little bit and now we're down 10 So, I, uh, Well maybe they're finally discovering that MMT doesn't work, I don't know Yeah, I, uh, what, yeah. Is, what, is, what is if you can explain to people what exactly is their strategy? Do you have any idea? I mean I I, 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 I know I sense what they're doing, but I don't know. I'm not sure what it gains them, to be honest with you. Do you? Well, I, I just think that uh, they're invested in a strategy, and they are convinced that this Keynesian story works, where um, you can run. But and I don't think Keynes would agree with 
the way Keynesian economics is being used today, I don't think he would. Because, uh, you know, during a, an expansion, you raise tax rates to pay for the deficits you ran to stimulate the economy. Now, the problem with that is uh, when you're raising and lowering tax rates, how do businesses plan for, you know, five years, let alone 10 or 20 years, right? Because you're constantly raising and lowering tax rates. And I think that's one reason why Utah has done so well. It's because it's, it's basically frozen its tax rate for like 15 or 20 years. So businesses know what to expect. So I, I just think that uh, the, the the way Keynesianism is being used in politics, they, they use it as a justification for their reckless decisions, that they can just print money, they can tax people, they can spend all kinds of money taking that money away from the consumer, and there's not going to be any problems with that. And I think they just can't, uh, maybe they just can't sober up from that, that, uh, that misuse of economic policy. I don't know. Well, hang in there for a second. Mr. Weber, are you listening? I guess he's not. Matty, are you here? Hey, Matt? Yeah. Uh, Our encoder is not connected. Please reboot your streaming computer, and once it comes back up, make sure that Cirrus console is logged in. Getting audio and as a sound. You guys have been having trouble with your computers? Well, we had our one computer died yesterday. Maybe you can't do that to left of the show, Matty, but uh, we had one one that we used for our... it's it's kind of odd, Hal, but I'll, I'll mention the there's a there's a, a software system that everybody uses for every radio and stuff. It's very expensive. We bought it you know 12 years ago, but it also is it tracks internet hacks like like flies, right? So you have to have a separate computer that only does the board stuff, and you can't never wow. touches a computer. So basically, we, we turned this thing on 12 years ago, and it's been on for 12 years. But yesterday we came in and, and the the power source you know croaked basically. So I found another power source. We got that one up, but evidently by, te- by pulling everything apart, we were having trouble getting the rest together. And we, we streamed the, th- the show through uh, uh, SecureNet systems, and then somehow or another we got disconnected from them. So we're not really streaming right now, but everybody will listen to it once we're done because we can still put the show up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be a little more up-to-date on stuff if I wasn't grading all day. I was uh, It's been a, a rough four or five days. I'm trying to get all my grades in. i got four classes, and... I got one left to update, so well, then yeah. I'll have the uh, Christmas break off. Well, just just as I was, uh, we were talking about the Keynesian group, and I, I, you know, I remember, you know, a lot of my Keynesian stuff, and it seems seems to me how if you take the break between this is the part that whenever you know whenever I, whenever I talk to people that are you know allegedly know this stuff, uh, I, I, I can't I can't win this argument, but we we have not had a Keynesian type of thing here. And, uh, you know, you talk to anybody who's on CNBC. I mean, we have not really had... Here, here, from what I understand, and, and correct me here, that what, 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 what pure Keynesian stuff does is if all of a sudden the, the uh, you know, the, the economy's a little slow, you lower taxes or, you, or you, you'll, like, increase spending. Um, or, you, or, you'll, you know, or you'll raise taxes. But the, the, what you get is mo- people, not anymore... People used to save what twenty percent of their stuff, right? So, if you raise taxes and increase spending, you essentially government spends every dime they have. So you, you essentially take twenty percent or whatever the savings rate used to be, and you pump it into consumption, right? 
and uh, and and what you do is uh, you essentially pull ahead the curve and you try and prime the economy. But we never really do that anymore. We never we never no. keep it we never keep it that way. We never uh, you know raise taxes and increase spending. What we do is somewhere along the line we print money. So it's it's very difficult to determine whether we're using monetary policy or fiscal policy. I mean, you'll say in the last couple of years, somebody will come on TV and they'll say, well, look at, we're, we, we, got, we need a big infrastructure bill, we need fiscal policy. But you're not, you're not paying for it, you're not borrowing it. You're, what you're doing is you're just printing it, which, which automatically becomes monetary policy, doesn't it? I mean, it's not pure Keynesian at all. Keynes never said, turn on the press for his, for his policy, did he? Well, I think the problem with it is the way it's being applied politically, like you're mentioning, right? Because you run the deficit during the recession to stimulate demand, right? Then you got to pay it off. you got to pay off yeah. that deficit. So when you come out of the recession, then you raise taxes or lower government spending to run a surplus to pay off the deficit. That's how it's supposed to work. But the way the politicians abuse it, uh, they always stimulate because they're looking to buy votes. Republicans will increase government spending on defense. They'll kind of pretend that they're opposed to all this other government spending, as you can tell from Mitch McConnell. He's really committed to uh, fiscal conservatism. Yeah. Um, and then the Democrats, they'll want to spend, and then the Republicans always want to cut taxes. And so you get this grand compromise that gets all these yahoos reelected. And then, then why are they, how are they able to do that? Because the Fed will come in as the white knight and save the day, uh, and then print the money necessary to paper over that budget deficit. Well, then of and course, so the Fed is the key. The, the Fed is the key here. It enables this idiotic decision making that's going on in D.C. every time they uh, pass some omnibus bill, right? Instead of an actual budget. Well, plus they. they both sides, um, essentially, uh, <laughs> hate to keep going back to Hitler, but the big lie, e- and either side will do it. If if the Democrats, oh yeah, it's a big, it's a big bold fast lie. I mean, it's like today, the president tweeted something about you having an extra two hundred dollars in your pocket because he lowered gas prices, and everybody's like on Twitter saying, "Oh, so you don't control gas prices when they're going up, but you, oh, you no, get the no. credit when they're going down, right?" Well, and I, I tweeted him, I tweeted at him like, "All right." What about natural gas prices? They're up 27%. Are you going to take the fall for that? No. Or are you only going to take the credit when natural gas prices come down eventually? We've, we've, we've locked ourselves into the politics. It's so, so crazy. But I guess my, my big, the, the, the big lie, in my, in my, my opinion, uh, is it comes from two sides. When, when Trump, well, Trump and Trump's presidency, they came out with this, this big tax cut for corporations. And they're going to they're going to go in front of the the uh, Congress sort of budget. They're going to say, based on our ridiculously stupid calculations, <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, cutting taxes in uh, over a ten year period is actually going to pay for itself because everybody's going to have more money. It's going to make things more vibrant. It's actually going to increase our tax stuff coming five years from now. And then if, if the office of the budget buys this crap, they essentially tell the, the Fed. Uh, oh, by the way, all you're doing is 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 covering the the meantime between the, the the current day tomorrow 
we lower taxes, we know next month the receipts aren't going to be as much as they were last month, so we're going to be in a deficit, more of a deficit. But, oh, by the way, six years from now, it's all going to come back to us in spades. Well, that's the Republican total line of BS. Now, the Democratic line of BS is we're going to, we're going to spend all this money on infrastructure, and we're going to have, have uh, Wi-Fi in schools and this, that, and the other thing. And, oh, by the way, all this stuff is going to make everybody so productive that in five or six years the, the taxes are going to be so much higher that we're going to be rolling in dough, so we're just asking the Fed to pony up for a little while. Both of them are lies. Both of them have never. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree, one hundred percent with that. Yeah, but it, but, it, but it's a long term thing. It's not just, you know, it's 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 not. I mean, it, it's a ten year plan. That's that's how you pass a, a trillion and a half, two trillion dollar bill or tax you know cut of that magnitude, because you you, you essentially run this by people and and I, and I will say, um, now you and I know. I mean, I think we know that wh- whatever you're talking about. I mean, uh, uh, you know, running around. Naked probably isn't a bad idea if you're in the shade that's 100 degrees. You know, it's probably not such a good idea like today. <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> probably not a good idea at all. For, yeah. me, for me, it's not a good Did idea anytime. El Paso, Texas is freezing. Yeah. Well, uh, it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, New York New York is pretty nice here. We, we got, I think we're about 40. Sun's out. It's pretty nice here, man. Well, get ready. You're about I, I'm shocked because Utah Utah's a frozen tundra, man. I think my. My my students in my MBA class that I teach still at Westminster, uh, they're telling me they got like a foot of snow or something in, in Utah in one week. It was crazy. Wow, and it must be pretty good skiing. Yeah, uh, I think uh, snow in the Sierras is up uh, 20, 30, maybe 40% year over year. So well, I think the, uh, the the slopes are doing well. The slopes are doing well in the, well, maybe we'll in get the global a, warming era. Right? Maybe we'll get a little water in Lake Mead. Yeah, all the snowpacks going to re- refill the uh, hopefully refill the Salt Lake and the other uh, reservoirs. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the weather in Manhattan is way better than the weather here. Yeah, yeah, it's actually kind of feels like mid fall. <laughs> yeah, like I was in New York. Of course, we're, we're probably going to get hammered here within a couple weeks, though. I was there two weeks ago, and it was it's a thirteen degree difference. I mean between there and Chicago. It's unbelievable. It's I mean, it's very noticeable. I mean, even right now, today, the high in Chicago is like, you know, upper 20s or maybe 30, and there it's 40. It's just it's just <laughs> always 10 or 12 degrees warmer. It pisses me off. I was driving around last night picking my wife up from her hair appointment, and uh, oh boy, that was a long... Uh, black women go to the hair uh, stylist, and you drop them off at 9 o'clock at, at, in the morning, and you go to pick them up at least two or three times because she'll tweet saying that it'll be done in 15 minutes so you go pick them up and then you gotta wait an hour and a half then you drive around and you come back and pick them up and finally by 6 o'clock the hair is done God. <laughs> but I was driving around last night and it, it felt nice out man it was great well the uh, you guys gonna get this storm that we're gonna get here this week well I, I think it just depends on uh, how the uh, I think New York weather is really dependent on the uh, jet, uh, the jetway from uh, the, the jet flow. What yeah. do they call that? Jet, jet stream. The jet stream. Yeah, I think the jet stream really affects New York weather because the south. Whenever you see a, a hurricane go through the south, it kind of pushes uh, the good weather out, and you get this bad weather over New York. So the, the south and the Gulf Stream have a lot to do with our weather. So it depends on if it gets pushed north to Maine or not. 
So I pulled um, up. But man, it's been really nice. I pulled I've up, really enjoyed this winter. I pulled up New York City weather, and it says for Thursday and Friday, Chicago, it's going to be in the 20s and you know 10 inches of snow or more. New York, it's going to be 50 and 57 with rain. Wow. It feels like San Diego. Yeah, and now it does get. It is going to get cold over the weekend into the 20s and 30s in New York, but no snow. Yeah. Well, here, here it started out as five inches, and every time you listen to somebody, it goes up an inch. So it's like we're not sure if these guys are pandering to fear or what. But yeah, the good news is it's supposed to be fifty next week, late in the week. Well, the weather channel, the weather channel, and the local news tend to inflate what's going on because I remember one year we were driving down to Virginia with my mother-in-law, and the hurricane was coming through, and she's like, "Hell, it's just so bad out." I, I, I turn on the news, I go, "Mom, this is the local news," and the reporter standing in front of these waves that are maybe six inches high and she's telling the viewers that their eyes are lying and that the swells are like eight feet or something and I'm looking at the swells going yeah it's like six inches I go mom as soon as we get to uh, southern New Jersey we're going to have clear skies clear blue skies all the way to Virginia sure enough that was the case well the people when these were doing that in some of the hurricanes down south they're, they're, the waves were almost catching them going these people are idiots what are they doing out there <laughs> But hey, uh, I mean, well, most of the time when I'm watching this, the, the waves aren't really that bad yet, right? Well, but the, the wind is uh, sometimes it looks like they're going to be picked up and wung in the in the in the uh, waves. But hey, what? So well, they, do, they do tend to wear flappy clothes, though. You know, so clothes what, that get blown around in the wind a little. I think well, it's for visual effect. Well, I'm sure it is. Hey, so what? I mean, if you're this this type of uh, I mean, we're looking at this, and our interest rates are well, they were over four, and now we're we're over ten year. Where the hell are we? I'll get the exact number. Uh, TNX is uh, 3.67 right now. It's up 2.5%, by the way. Um, because the bonds are getting the bonds are getting hammered in TLT. I mean, the TLT's down, the long-term bonds. But the uh, when Japan does something like this, I mean, it's for people that are sitting on this paper over there for literally years at 25 basis points, all of a sudden it's 42, maybe on its way to 50. That's, that is a massive move if you hold any Japanese paper. I mean, getting, oh, yeah. getting the heads We're up on that. What, 100%? Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah. it doesn't seem like much, but if you're, if you're yeah. sitting there, it's, it's, it's a jump. Um, and, I, and all of a sudden, you know, these guys are going to have to start paying, you know, 0. 0.42. But it's, it's, it's these policy shifts, and I, I, I think there's, all, there's always been policy shifts, Al. And I, I remember some of the, the dirtiest crap our people ever pulls when they bailed out long-term capital essentially told them what they were going to do on the Fed. You know, and, and that's why I have this, I was talking to this attorney last night, and he can't believe I'm this conspiratorial. And I'm like, you know, I, I've just, I've sort of seen too much. Uh, I mean, I, I saw those guys bail out long-term capital and take some of my friends out of the OEX pit in the same day by lowering interest rates, rates on a 10 o'clock on an expiration Friday, for God's sake, when there used to only be one a month. Uh, and that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And, uh, because, I mean, your, your leverage when you start getting down to expirations and so forth, well, your leverage on something that's 0.25 and going to 0.42, you know, again, it doesn't, if we go from 3.6 to 3.9, you know, it's if you get caught on that one, it's a bad day, but it's not a, I doubt if you're carried out with the percentage change. And what what is, I mean, the Bank of Japan has had this story forever. They had the zombie banks forever. They never, and maybe, you know, actually, you know, said, hell, maybe that wasn't a bad idea. The banks were, they were technically insolvent. For those that, that, I think this is still, uh, you know, I, before I say this, I suppose I should check it, but there was, there was a, a time, Hal, where the U.S. was somewhat unique in that uh, 
stock in companies was not considered good comp- capital for a bank, right? So we did. The banks in this country never got in a habit of owning stocks and companies. Where in Europe and Japan they do, correct? And it's considered good capital. So when the, the Italian or Italian when the Japanese market was what thirty five thousand, they had all the stock in these companies. It dropped to what like fifteen or something, or less than that, ten or eight, and uh, all of a sudden these banks were all technically insolvent. Yet, on a daily basis, people were making deposits and they're making loans, and people were, you know, pulling money out, and they still were they still were cash positive and, and working as a bank. Here, uh, well, to that extent, I don't know if we could have done it to our biggest banks, but here, if a smaller bank is in that position, somebody comes in, the Fed ponies up some dough, SIPC or whatever, not SIPC, FDIC, and, and and they essentially move the move the bank to another bank. Somebody takes it over, usually a very good price because you. The federal government picks up the tab on a lot of the bad loans, and they and they just do that. But in Japan, they said we, we not only can't do that, we don't want to do that. They just let the things ride for years and years and years till they essentially made that money back. Right? They were just they were just insolvent. They called them zombie banks, right? And because that was their that was their strategy, and they and they manipulate everything. They they're, they're very concerned about their currency. They're very concerned about interest rates. It's it's. It's it's like like us being on steroids over there, right? In terms of the manipulation, so when it moves, it's a big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, in the United States, when you go from uh, a federal funds rate of one to almost five, we're talking about a four hundred percent increase, right? Yeah. So, I mean, from like what what was a point two to point four? It's incredible. Yep. But I mean, what? And I I, 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 still, mean, I think the only the only solution here is. It's not sellable, but the only solution here is just to knock it off, just to end it. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I don't think the central banks should be worried about unemployment. I don't think they should be worried about inflation. I think the only thing they should be worried about is how rapid. If we're going to keep them, the only thing they should be worried about and tasked with is how fast they're growing. Whatever they define the money to be, we, we define money to be M two, and I think the Fed should just focus on growing into at a, a slow steady pace if we're going to keep them around well I think and otherwise otherwise they just do what they they basically uh, enable the politicians to do whatever they want they can print as much money as they want just imagine what California would do if they had a central bank I mean do you think they would stop California would be would be the United States on steroids it would be probably more radical than Japan well when you say the central bank, and again, I go back to my buddies at work over there. Not that they're my buddies, I got to defend them or anything like that. But uh, virtually all of the ninety-five uh, percent uh, of what the Fed does, we cannot do it. We cannot do without. I mean, it's, it's basically cashing everybody's checks, making the system yeah. run. If some bank needs money overnight, they get it. They make sure that if if you go well, buy, I'm talking in terms of monetary policy. Yeah. If if we're going to keep them around in terms of monetary policy. The only thing they should be doing is just monitoring them too, and just not be have blinders on with regard to CPI. Because CPI, we know the CPI is not really capturing inflation right now. So they need to have blinders on with respect to unemployment, GDP, nominal GDP, whatever. They need to have blinders on with respect to that. And all they need to do is just keep the M two as stable as possible, and they can pick I don't know number a number two percent. Three percent, and I think that would be much better, or at least ba- less bad than what they're currently doing. You do realize that you're sounding exactly like Milton Friedman. 
I think if we're going to keep the, the Fed in the game in terms of um, trying to regulate the economy in some way, if we're going to with a pragmatic solution, I think that's probably the best. And I don't think it's ever really been tried. Because what happens is no matter what philosophy the central banker has, once they have the lever and they're pushing that lever up and down, they're not like Homer Simpson when he goes to the hospital and they put a brick on the lever, right? Yeah. Hey, Homer, you're irreplaceable. Well, yeah. they, they get in there, that lever, and they lower those interest rates. And they juice that economy. right? The stock market goes up. Everybody celebrates them as being this sage, right? And it doesn't matter what their philosophy is. When they get into that seat and they have that lever, they pull it down, they pull those interest rates down, and they pump out that money. Well, you, right? they, they because they want the accolades from... CNBC and Fox Business Network. But there's, but there's a. And we just got to end that. We got to end that. But there's a, there's a, there's a. I, they shouldn't all be on TV every week. That, that's nuts. But I. Yeah, I, I mean, well, you know, the, one of the Fed chairs, uh, his wife, his spouse was uh, a journalist, and I, and that guy loved the spotlight, man. Oh yeah. Greenspan, he loved it. And that's scary when a guy with that much power loves the camera that much. Well, I don't, that's I don't, a problem. But I mean, but the thing of it is, they are they are going to be overcome by events, but in, in somewhat of a rational way. I mean, they even in the Civil War. I mean, you could actually have a, a, a paper here by by somebody where he basically summed up all the different times that we've had inflation. And they, one of the scariest parts was he he other than a zillion people dying and losing arms and legs and so forth. The Civil War, brutal as it was, he basically traces the history of the. Civil War outcome, in that the the North was even in the, in those days as bad as we needed the money. We had greenbacks, but basically the the Fed really only printed whatever was who the Fed was in those days, Treasury, whoever. We really only printed Treasury, yeah. about ten percent a year more in money than than they should have. Where the, where the South was like fifty percent. Which caused the entire yeah the, the south yeah. of the yeah the south had a much smaller economy yeah so and they, they had inflate more right yes yeah, so the, the south it was, basically it was kind of like it's kind of like the United States versus the Soviet Union right yeah well <laughs> but, I mean, seriously but like we don't well, we only raised you know raised the the uh, money supply like eight or ten percent a year during the Civil War so it was re- relatively easy to cut back after the war and go back to quote normal well normal yeah. then was the gold standard but the south. They made the entire economy fell apart. I mean, people, everybody's savings went to hell. I mean, because uh, nobody, nobody, nobody made fifty percent more every year. You basically you decimated your population wealth-wise. So you know, well, the, the 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 wealthy plantation owners, the landholders, they probably didn't suffer as many negative consequences as the massive white poor and the the former black slaves. I mean. Uh, so the, the the people that ran the South probably did all right because they're collecting more in rent, right? It's like the the landlord class in Germany during the hyperinflation. You know, the hyperinflation was allowing them to pay off debt in a year, right? Pay off mortgages in a year. So the the people that really suffered under that inflation, the people that suffer under inflation, are the people who have to rent, who don't own their property, don't own their home. They're the ones that really suffer. But I don't I don't see any situation where. Where if we have a, a crisis in this in this country, that the Fed's not going to give some. Now it's a question of what's rational. But, but the, the problem with the problem with the Fed is that it creates the business cycle. Well, that's it, right. It keeps interest rates low, which benefits the rich 
It benefits the wealthy class. It benefits the, the people who can take out these massive margin loans. Because if, if assets go up 10% in a year, their returns can be 300 to 500%, depending on how much leverage they're using to make those purchases. So the people who benefit from the Fed are people at the top. The people at the bottom, they, they, they use these lower interest rates and this cheaper credit to buy stuff that ends up landfills. They're not building wealth. So the, the, the people who benefit from the Fed are the wealthy. So if you wanted to help the bottom half out, the, I think that what the Fed should do is, if we're going to keep them in the monetary game, is just grow the M2 at uh, 1% to 2% a year. Um, I would say... And that's it. And I would that's say, it. And you don't get the business cycle out of that. I would say more like you should be able to maintain a growth two two and a half percent. If you do, I think the number should be more like two two and a half. But, but yeah, whatever. I think it probably depends on the population growth, yeah. right? But but I guess we're we're t- I know we're kind of over maybe some people's head here, but it's I think the 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 failure and, and the the lack of simplicity right now. Now I'm not going to say that people. Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, if my mother was still alive, I could ask her. I I don't know what the interest rate was on a Sears or Fields card when I was 10 years old. I'm going to guess it was probably 12%. Well, when I was uh, in junior high school, my buddy Steve, he was a great guy. Um, my dad wasn't around, and he was a senior when I was a, when I was a freshman. And him and I would go pick strawberries to go to the movies. That's how bad it was for us. But I remember him always going to the uh, car dealerships. And I remember looking at the stickers when I was a freshman in high school, and the, the interest rate on a car loan was about 14, 15%. Uh, depending. And I think the credit cards, the credit cards are probably 25% of the time. Um, and this was early 80s, early 80s. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about before Visa, before MasterCard. Oh, okay. I, I, I think that your fields in those places is probably 10 or 12, but I'm not positive. I, I mean, there's got to be some way yeah. I can research that. But what I'm saying is the, 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 the big loans that people had, there was, uh, I mean, you got, you got, on the south side, uh, you got 3.5%, 3% on your passbook, 3 and a quarter, and the mortgage loan was 6, 6 and a quarter. So there was a, a three-point spread there that paid for the building, the people. There was some simplicity to it. I mean, and, and there was some, cert- I mean, I'll say, you know, you, the checks came in, you got paid, employees got paid, the building got paid, the Little League team got their uniforms. There was some... In the business world, I think when Pullman borrowed, they probably borrowed it. They were like one over prime or something, or half over prime, because they were they were they were pretty high up the the uh, the rating list. I'm going to say they're they're borrowing at seven percent, while people were getting business loans, and if a business put some money in, you can't have a checking account. What, what year was this? Approximately late late seventies, or late seventies, late seventies, late seventies. Okay. Well, I mean, when I'm talking about on, a, on an international on a Along, well, obviously the rates ballooned up after that, you know, when everybody was paying a fortune. But, but basically, on a, on a long-term, uh, you know, loan for uh, you know, if you're going to put a power plant together in Saudi Arabia or someplace, they 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 were one over prime, and prime you know went from seven to well, went to what fourteen at one point. But I'm saying there was some, but in those days when the, when the prime went to fourteen, the savings rate also went to twelve. So yeah. one move with the other. I mean, this time it's so totally different in the sense that. For a real long period of time, people are paying 24% on their credit card. But, oh, by the way, if they put money in the bank, they're not getting anything. That, that's well, I think one of the consequences of keeping interest rates really, really low for such a long time 
that conditioned the American consumer to think that you don't get any interest when you put your money in the bank. Right. So it's kind of like what why companies don't want to lower the price of, like, for example, the Samsung. I think one year during the Super Bowl, they were advertising, buy a brand new Samsung phone, get a free HGTV. They don't want to lower right. the price by 50%, which is which, which, which is which they're doing, right? They're lowering the price of both by 50%. They don't want to lower that price because then the expectation is, oh, that's what the phone really costs, right? But what the Fed has done, it's done what the Samsung, what Samsung and Apple don't want to do. They've pushed interest rates so low for so long that now we we think, oh, you don't get anything when you put your money in a savings account. But they never... And we just expect that now. But they never they never use their power, or, or, or they never open their eyes, one or, one or the other, to say, wait a minute. I don't, it, it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. It's the effect. And the effect is that uh, people now expect to get no interest when they put their money in a savings account. Well, I think I, I looked... Uh, Twenty twenty. Now, some of them I think might have come down a little bit. I'm not. I don't do this every day, but I think you know, twenty twenty. I looked over in the past decade. The average savings rate was you know one one and a half or something. And I'm going to say that I, I actually found that the credit card rates had gone up. Well, the the Fed. I mean, I, you and I talk about, and with some of the other guests, we talk about concentration in industries. Well, I'm going to say that you know, if you have a a, a small company that's 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 uh, you know, doing drugs on it, that's a, doing drugs, that is uh, researching uh, drugs, you know, that, that's a, you know, somewhat of a speculative spot, and they're going to get some capital, and they're going to go out for a loan, and maybe get some financing. Well, if those guys go to the, go to the financing well, wherever that well happens to be, and they're going to pay 7, 8, 9, 10 percent, or whatever, or, um, you know, or, or plumbing company's going to pay 7.5 or 8 for their new truck, and yet, some big firm can go out and borrow at three percent to buy the plumbing company, or to buy if Merck or somebody can go out and buy borrow at two percent, like Microsoft those guys did a few years ago, uh, and, and go over and buy your place when you're trying to get financing at seven or eight. Well, you're you're just feeding the, the concentration of all these industries, and, and and that you know that side effect for maybe a year or two if you really have to. I guess we'll all take one for the team, Hal, but you can't let that happen for like a decade or two. We're not even recognized that it's a problem. I mean, I, I think it's a problem. Well, you know, the interesting thing about all these policies that these politicians dream up, it's like what's going on in California. They're, they're proposing these rep, uh, uh, reparations, right? And I was listening to this uh, podcast. He's a black conservative, and I think he probably voted for Trump, but um, he, he was saying that the restrictions on the ability to pull the money out to qualify for the reparation, you have to satisfy, like, so many things that not very few people are going to qualify for it. And I was thinking, oh, okay, so if you're if you a black person living in California and you are above median income and you have some means, you might be able to hire a lawyer to somehow finagle you around these speed bumps in order to qualify for this $300,000 reparation. So, in short, it's not going to go to poor black people in California. If, if, if this program is passed, upper-middle-income black people and r- r- wealthy black people are the ones that are going to benefit from this program. Well, because they're going to make the restrictions so convoluted that very few people are going to qualify well, who, for it. Who do you think... So, again, 
the rich benefit from these policies. And the, the politician, the virtue signal, and say, look what we've done for you. Well, in the Chicago area, I know some of these people. The people who are usually get the minority set-asides, <laughs> they don't... It's not going to the guy in the street. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No, it's not, no. I mean, there's probably there's probably 10 people in Chicago that have grabbed, you know, a pretty high percentage. I'm not saying 90 or anything, but a reasonably high percentage of all the minority set-asides ever done in this town. And I'm going to say they probably don't need them all that much. Just saying. Uh, but I don't know. So they're actually going to do reparations in California? What, what, God, I don't want to know. Yeah, the, the podcaster is talking about this program. And, uh, you know, Meredith Blackwood, and I'm thinking, well, maybe we ought to move to California. But then he said something like, you had to be, you have to be able to show um, a lineage back to a person who was enslaved, uh, I think, before the 1850s or something. Right, and I'm, my wife is from Haiti, so we wouldn't qualify. I was thinking maybe we ought to, since the, the British established the colonies when we were British properties, maybe we ought to go back to Meghan and uh, Harry for yeah. the uh, reparations. Right? Well, we make a lot of money on Netflix. I don't. I'm. Uh, I, I, I just. I, I don't understand. I guess I don't understand the. the the whole slavery thing in the first place, uh, although it was all over the world, it wasn't just black people enslaved. There were white people enslaved. There were all kinds of people enslaved. I mean, they practiced on yeah. everybody. Slavic, Slavic people, Slavic means slave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, but granted, as to how it made it through the Constitutional Congress without being outlawed here, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I can't believe it's probably one of the biggest bleep ups we've ever done in this country. So. Oh yeah. So yeah. of course. I mean. Uh, men, men are given domain over the earth, and sometimes men make bad decisions, even when they're well-intentioned, right? So I, I try to focus on the ideals, not on the actions. Well, but I, I always tell people, don't pay attention to what they say, pay attention to what they do. Well, and I, that I, but usually awful, tells you who they are. But I mean, an awful lot of people, and I, I, you know, I can't think... In, in terms of definition and being owned by somebody, I can't even sort of conceive of that. Yeah. Well, if you, read, if you read the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament, um, it was common for people who were in debt to somebody oh, yeah. to agree to be their slave, and that's well, how they paid off their debt. Or you, or you so it's pretty common. Or you yeah. sold, or you sold them a daughter or a son to be their slave. Not you necessarily. It was yeah. Even better. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you watch, if you watch that uh, great movie Ben Hur with uh, Charlton Heston. Yeah. The older guy was a slave because I think he was indebted to the Ben Hur family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get what I'm saying. The, to be perfectly blunt, the 1800s were not a good time to be alive for a real lot of people. Oh, um, white people in the South were yeah. uh, pretty. Uh, they had low education attainment. Black people were enslaved. But the interesting thing about it, before uh, I think uh, early slavery after the Revolutionary War, uh, Walter Williams writes about this. He writes about how uh, black people in the South were able to work outside of the plantation for a wage. They paid a tax to their employer to do so, but they would save that money and then they'd buy their freedom. And there are there are lots of examples of black slaves owning businesses and white people choosing their goods and services over other um, other competitors for white people. And the poor white people, because they could vote, they voted for politicians that would enact laws that would that would bar uh, black slaves from doing that. 
Well, anybody, again, they don't like to face the competition. But on a day-to-day basis, the people who are uh, mostly uh, going coming this way, doing the stuff in the tunnels, and more of them probably dying, were Chinese uh, doing the railroad. Going oh yeah, I think I think the, if if California, I mean, there was no slavery in California, uh, unless you look at the really extremely low wages that uh, firms were able to pay uh, Chinese immigrants. I mean, if you're going to uh, enact a law for reparations and in uh, California, I think it probably some of that should go to well, the Chinese. Just, uh, just in the right? just in the areas I know about, the Irish people, mostly Irish. I'll say mostly, but a lot of Irish who dug the A&M Canal through swamps and cholera and stuff. Oh yeah, they, those guys drank their way through. They were supposed to the average lifespan there was thirty eight, and then the, the, well, the, the word the word plantation comes from the fact that the British, who were the uh, who were the descendants of the uh, Normans that invaded England? The British royalty, um, when, when they say plant, when you say plantation, that means the British wanted to plant civilized people on a land, and the first plantations they formed were in Ireland, and they enslaved the Irish. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm going to say that probably the worst. I don't know which I'd worse would be worse: blowing up the tunnels in California with gunpowder, not even dynamite. Or being in a uh, a coal mine in the 1800s. Yeah, can you imagine? Well, you know, um, th- yeah, there's a great Little House on the Prairie episode where Pi Ingalls goes and uh, joins that effort, and he's blowing up the uh, wall, and it was just really dangerous work. So, I, I mean, I think if if you're going to pay reparations in California, it probably should include uh, Chinese descendants of Chinese immigrants that worked on the railroad. Well, I mean, what about the, the simplest, I mean, we're going to talk more economics here in a second, but the simplest reparation is if you're going to pay reparations to slaves, which, you know, I mean, it's a horrible deal. What about the people from, like, Illinois and Ohio never saw a slave, never owned a slave, never made a dime from slavery, that, that lost their life or their limbs fighting to free them? Well, they, how about the Africans that yeah. you know, I worked with? They were professors at North Carolina and they they came to the United States. They're professors of economics. They pay in taxes, yeah. and their taxes are being taken to cover the reparations. Well, I mean, it just it was. The, the, let's put it this way: the eighteen hundreds were, were a horrible time to be alive. Even if you were rich, I mean, it, yeah. every family had eight or nine rich kids. Three or four of them croaked from some disease along the way. I mean, I mean it was. Well, a, if you if you look at the lives of uh, wives on the prairie, it was horrible. Oh, yeah. There's a movie called uh, Homesman with. Uh, Hillary Swank and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And it depicts the life of a, a housemaker, a housewife in the in the prairies. And a lot of them went went crazy. And we were talking about this earlier about the banknotes, uh, the banknote of this Kansas bank that went uh, belly up, right? But it depicts how hard life was for women. And then you watch this uh, great TV on PBS called Prairie Home awesome, real, uh, the best reality TV show ever made. It's where four modern families are placed in 1860s Montana, and they have a competition. Who will survive the winter? And none of the families survive the winter. Well, the, so, uh, if you watch... Life was really brutal if you watch uh, before the, all these conveniences of the market economy. If you watch this, this is in the 1900s. If you watch the... Uh, I've got a, I got a tape at home. It was a, it's a building, and you can sure you get it on YouTube in a second. It's a, a building at Hoover Dam. And obviously, if oh yeah, that was incredible. I, I, I watched the 
uh, that, I think, on the History Channel or something. It was incredible. Well, if you watch it, oh, of course, you and I, my eyes are drawn to the the actual construction and how they did it. And all. I mean, it would be amazing stuff and the different tests and the constant flow of concrete. And all. But if, if you ever see it again, focus in on about the first three minutes of it where they talk about there was there was an there, you know the thing they've been talking about this dam for years and years, and finally there was a a, a site they had picked the site, but who know you know government being slow, although then they weren't as slow. Uh, all these people, they got the river back down essentially where the dam now is, the river's running along, and all these people now it's hotter than hinges of hell down there. People are going down there and they're camping out, with their only water from this muddy ass river, and uh, I don't know where they're getting their chow. They're they're camping out there thinking that there's going to be work and they're going to wait till it happens. And you get these women walking around with babies, basically, you know, nursing them themselves. And you go, these people were were built of sturdier stuff than this guy, (laughs) me. (laughs) I mean, mean, they're down there hoping that like three months from now they're first in line for the job. And they got a canvas tent. Can you you imagine how tough that would have been? Oh, God. Be making. Three meals a day on a campfire. Well, that's plus, where, incredibly where, hard work. Where, where are you getting? You know, if you had a car, the car's not spinning out of there. It's like a huge hill out. I mean, I don't know how they. I mean, the water's right there, but that water is, is not drinkable unless you boil it or filter it. It's all. It's all. Yeah. You know, but it's so. How? What, what? What is going to? We've got a new Congress coming in. We've got Republicans in charge of the House, and, and what? And but now we got you know the House now. Is all, all of a sudden, they have. Ten or fifteen people that don't want to get along with the guy up top, whoever the guy up top is going to be, and then we've got you know the Democrats hanging on for for a, in a thread in the Senate, and we've got a president that I don't know how much uh, respect he has. I mean, whether he's even going to run again or whatever. I mean, I, I and, and we seem to have problems all over the place. I, it's hard for me to imagine, although sometimes in America we do pull it off. It's hard for me to imagine some really interesting ideas and, and being able to move forward here. I mean. Because whatever he comes up with, they immediately get tweeted all over the place. It's a horrible idea, even if it isn't. I mean, it's it's just a, a very odd world. I mean, politicians have allowed themselves to become, you know, most people think of them as pansum, or not most, but a lot of people do. And I, I don't know, I, I don't really see a way to massive push forward here. Do you? I mean, I, there, I mean, there might be. I hope there is, but I don't necessarily. The economic side, things seem to be settling down a little bit. In terms of the market, although it keeps going down, I hope it stops going down pretty soon here. Um, what, do, what do you see next year doing economically? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't predict what's going to happen, but from what I hear in the Senate with uh, Mitch McConnell, Haven, um, and um, I mean, why, why not just wait until the new Congress takes over instead of setting the budget in place for the entire year? I don't know. I mean, the the house is where the budget should originate, but I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think I think we're all we all assume that these um, politicians are on different teams, and I and I, I I've just thought forever that they're two sides of the same coin that pretend to hate each other on the camera, but as soon as the camera's turned off, they're having tea and strumpets with Lloyd and uh, Lloyd from uh, Dumb and Dumber, who's yeah. the other guy, Jeff Daniels and. Uh, and Jim Carrey's characters—they're they're having tea and strumpets when the cameras are turned off. Um, so to me, it's just one big show, and I think I think the American public know it. And when things come out, you're kind of like asking yourself, 
do they think we're this dumb? And I think what they're doing, they're just poking us saying, we know you know, but we're going to keep doing it anyway. Yes, they do and think so we're that dumb. I, I'm pretty cynical at this point. Yes, they do think we're that dumb. What? All right, I got to ask you. We got uh, a few minutes left here. What is going to be the uh, this this FTX? Is every time you roll over a rack, you find something? Oh, we have politicians getting money from people that didn't even know where it was coming from, or didn't want to know. Uh, are these guys going to get? Is some of this money going to get clawed back, or I mean, is it? Are we going to have a list of all the guys who took it and how much, or are we going to embarrass people? I mean, what what are we going to do here? Is this? I mean, uh, one of my, my buddies who hangs out in the Triple Eight, he works for one of the firms down here, I said, because we never, PTI, we never uh, got involved in any of this. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we never held ourselves up to do any of it. I was always very skeptical from day one, although I'm not happy people are getting beat up. Uh, I mean, any currency, first of all, the thing was never a currency. Um, it was a system to trade a currency if you had a currency, and then the thing started to trade like stock, so... I never really know how to define it, so I pretty much stayed away from talking about it. Um, and it's falling apart pretty much like I thought it would. Uh, but all the stuff these guys did, you know, they went overseas, they didn't want to be regulated, people sent them money, didn't care about the regulation, and they gave all this money to politicians. Now, whether that stopped people from looking at it or not, I don't really know how you, well, what the mechanism is for regulating a Bahamian exchange. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not a securities attorney or whatever, but I don't, uh, <clears throat> somewhere along the line here, now we've got politicians getting all kinds of money. We've got schools getting money. How the hell, a, uh, California got their <coughs> stadium named after, you know, and I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you, can, you became the, uh, you know, the FTX stadium at Notre Dame. I don't mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess everything's for sale. Um, how this all shakes out, if people keep their mind on it for a bit, or maybe they'll just run by them. The intricacies of this are interesting. The one guy saying, well, I didn't know it came from them because the wire came from this bank. I thought it was the bank. What, what are they talking? I mean, this is this going to die out, Hal, like all the other things, or is this actually going to cause some change? I think what's going to end up happening is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be Jeffrey Epstein. I think uh, the people that put money in it are going to lose, unless you're a big name. I don't think anything's going to happen to Shaq for saying, hey, I'm all in, right, in a, in a commercial. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna, anything's going to happen to Brady. I think it's just going to die on the vine, and eventually the news will just co- stop covering it. And if the politicians um, have to give back that money, I think they're going to be able to funnel it in some kind of do- donation, and that donation will somehow get back to them. So I'm, I'm pretty cynical about it. Because well, what? Who, I, who's running the investigation? I, I think the FBI has proven that it's pretty, pretty corrupt with what they were doing with Twitter. I mean, basically the FBI set up shop in Twitter and uh, said, block this, block that, don't let anybody read this, cancel these people, and Twitter was getting money from the FBI. So I think the FBI is pretty corrupt, and I have no faith in the justice system that this, eventually it will just go away. It'll just, they'll stop talking about it. We'll move on to the next big thing. Well, I mean... Because too many people are paid off. Too many people are paid off with, quote-unquote, campaign contributions. Well, from what I, I understand from the, what was it, Cardassian got fined or spanked or something for uh, trumpeting something. I, I think the deal is if, if you're a, well, I don't do this, but if I went on national TV and said, you know, geez, you know, you got to buy IBM because if you just say that, you're probably sort of in trouble. But if you, but if you say, 
uh, based on this chart formation, blah, 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 IBM looks like a good buy with a target here. That's perfect. You that's perfectly legal. Been a better, you, better, better words. I think they would have protected Shaq and Brady from it. But they're actually saying, I'm all in. Right. Well, you can you can do this with me, you know. Yeah, but you also, you I think also, that's a little different. But I'm saying that the, the 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 fine line, I think, between the Brady and the Kardashian, I think it was a Kardashian. Maybe was it a Kardashian with the had problems with this? They were touting something. The difference is, if 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 Tom Brady comes on and says, "I love crypto," like Scar- Scaramucci and like all these other goofballs on CNBC, if he said, "I, I love it," I'm in. I, I'm invested in it. I'm up to my eyeballs in it. I think that's okay. All right, and for what Brady did to make a commercial about it, where you know he's getting paid, and maybe you don't even know what Bitcoin is. I, I suspect he got paid in Bitcoin and other stuff, though. But some of these athletes were. I think that's okay. But to, if if Scaramucci came out and started talking and was paid by FTX to essentially do a commercial without being a commercial, and and, and trump it along and doesn't have any, and he acts like he does, I think that's not okay. I think if you, if you're being paid by the company, you have to reflect that. That, that's that's where I'm. Oh, you, you're talking when he's he's commenting on crypto in general yeah. as an expert, right? On CNBC or yeah, Fox that, Network. If you're getting paid by FTX to to actually tout the thing, I think you got a lot of people yeah. know. Now, I think most people we may be dumb, but we, we we obviously think that Tom Brady got paid for doing that commercial. You know, crypto from whatever. I'm not saying he's a dumb man. He is, well, you know. But I'm saying they. Well, I, don't I think, think the moral of the story is don't give your money to some floppy head kid who has. Shorts and a T-shirt with his uh, mustard stain from his hot dog. I mean, and, and then claims he's a vegan, right? That's the. I think that's the moral. Of the story. Well, the one company. If it's if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And and anybody that says I got a great deal for you, it's not a great deal for you. It's a great deal for that person that's actually well, saying that, right? The guy the, that, that with a pitch, it's a good deal for that person, right? One of the biggest investors invested with him because he had the balls to be on his video game while he was doing the interview for the money. Yeah, he, I'm not going to give money to a guy that's in short in a in a shirt with mustard on it, playing a video game, a vegan yeah. hot dog, playing video games. I'm just not giving him money to that guy. Well, see, you're you're old school. Anyway, S&P futures down nine. Nasdaq futures down fifty four. <laughs> Hopefully, we're not keep going down all day today. Hey, I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Merry Christmas. Okay. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Merry Christmas.